check, phone check. We are back, we are back, we are back. I feel pretty good, I feel pretty good. And uh, we've, we've got some things to unpack and discuss and go over. We're, I think this is episode 120. Um, and I think that's a pretty solid number. I feel pretty good about it. Um, where's your head at, man? I feel like we left off last week talking about how we were going to start this episode, but I don't remember. It was a uh, San Diego stuff. Talking uh, about how the WTA yeah, ends. Yeah, the WTA ends. Uh, the, the ladies are still, uh, there's still a couple spots open. For the year-ending tournament, yeah. So they're in Guadalajara right now. So they're just out there trying to get some points in. Welp, it's your boy Jay Mark Figueroa. This is the Around the Post ATP podcast, and I, I I hate that I forgot to do that intro before I started talking. But um, yeah, where are we going with this, man? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm good. Uh, there's a a ton of news to cover. We cover ATP news uh, more than not, so. I tried to focus a little bit on the WTA side a little more today. That's exciting. That's good. So we're going to start off with Simona Halep. So Halep just had no surgery. So she called it quits for the year. So Margulu, uh has uh, uh, four, two, three months until the Australian Open to coach somebody. Yeah. And he asked for permission from Halep to be able to coach somebody until the Australian Open. She said yes. So he is coaching Holger Rune for the rest of the season. I like that for him. Up until the Australian Open. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that uh, pairing there? Um, So first and foremost, I like that he asked to coach someone else and he did a man or a male player. Um, So that's a a major plus and positive. That's harmless, you know. So I'm a fan of that decision there. And then Holger Rune, this is the mama's boy, weirdo guy, you know, who... That's what we're talking about, right? Correct. Okay, just had to verify. This guy needs tutelage and mentorship. He needs to be around a mature leader. He needs to be surrounded by people who know what it means to win and are not impressed because he's a professional tennis player. I think this is a major win for Holger Rune. And I'm excited to see Martagalu engaged with someone who has not proven themselves yet. I'm excited because the Halops and the Serena Williams of the world are extremely championed and have found success and have been at the highest levels. And now he's working with someone who has not experienced any of that. So I am very eager to see what happens next. Yes, uh, he definitely needs the guidance. He definitely can help out for sure. He's helped Sissy Pass in the past as well. So um, it's funny because uh, in the tennis community, people would say, all right, well, was uh, uh, Martagulu actually talking to Sissy Pass's dad when they were doing the signals and say, hey, <laughs> this is what to do. So that was pretty funny. But sticking to more coaching, this is very interesting. Mm. So Radakanyu is coachless again. She's, oh, she's, this is maybe her fourth, fifth coach in 15 months and this time her coach dumped her 
Now, here's the kicker. Here's wow. the kicker. All of a sudden, a couple days later, he's seen with Belinda Bencich. So, he dumped Radakanyu and picked up Belinda Bencich. So, who knows what was going on there. Maybe he was secretly coaching her already. Maybe. But what are, what are your thoughts on Radakanyu coachless again? And what do you think of this guy coaching Belinda Bencich? Well, it seems first and foremost that coaches do not see a bright future or have a lot of stock in Radakanyu at this point. And this is just really funny because when it's when it's a coach with a female player, a male coach, um, you almost get the sense of like the drama we see with like romantic relationships where, okay, you guys split, that's fine. But don't rebound that fast, bucko. <laughs> don't have another player ready that quickly. Because now I think you're already mingling and conversing and interacting with this other athlete before you split with me. So you kind of packaged up and set up your plan B um, while you were making your exit plan for plan A. So I think that's pretty funny, you know, because in the men's tour, no one cares about any of this stuff. Yes. You know, it's pretty much irrelevant in the news of men's tennis. And coaches move around in men's tennis. You know, we've seen... What's his name? How am I drawing a blank on this? Serving expert, Wimbledon champion. Roddick? No, uh, from the 90s. Oh, uh, Pete? Goran? Goran. We've seen Goran kind of float around four or five athletes in the last decade and help some of them get slams, you know? So I find it funny that we never discuss, oh, he moved on or he's with someone else now. Because I want to say he was with Milos at one point. Yes. He was with uh, Marin Cilic at one point. He's with Novak Djokovic. You know, he's, he floats around all these different players and stuff and elevates their game for the most part. And no one has said a word. So Radakanyu's drama is pretty hu- It's uh, There's some humor to it that I, I find it a little bit funny. Yes. This is her fifth coach in about 22 months. They Jeez. they started the partnership uh, around Wimbledon, mm-hmm. and he ended it with her. So, I mean, I think there's the secret's out. I think that everybody knows that Radakani is hard to work with, and that's sort of, they don't want to be in that spot. Yeah. And uh, they know that she's not going to be a long-term type person. Mm-hmm. So, I feel kind of bad for her. You shouldn't. But, but, you know, hopefully she can find somebody. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to talk about uh, San Diego. Now, uh, Iga ended up winning. Uh, she has four singles titles in the United States this year. Uh, she beat uh, Vekic, who had a heck of a run. Mm-hmm. Uh, she beat a ton of top 10 players to make it to the finals. Yeah. So uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Iga's domination of the United States? I wish I could have saw it firsthand in person, but... You know, it it's very encouraging for me that she's had a phenomenal... I don't know if there's been a better year in women's tennis in a long time. Like, the way her season has been this year is outstanding. It's Djokovic-esque for me. You know, her missing just one out of four slams, right? Yes. Yeah, missing one out of four slams. And the beginning of her year looks as good as the end of her year has. Yeah, she made it to the semis of the Australian Open. Yeah. She lost know. to Collins. Yeah, she's had an incredible year, so um, I'm very excited for her future, and this level of consistency hasn't been seen in the WTA since Serena lost all those consecutive finals, Right. you know, which was impressive, even though we expected her to win it. At the end of the day, 
five consecutive finals or whatever the number was is phenomenal. Yes. So, yeah, I'm excited for her there. And this, um, what was funny about this was we heard the Coco Goff, okay, you lost to Iga last time you guys met pretty convincingly. Have you came up with a new plan, new solutions on what you're going to do to change that this time? And she got smoked. She got smoked really badly. So it's interesting that the people, these up and comers, the people you think will provide competition are not able to do it. Yes. Uh, Zviacek, as a matter of fact, is 64 and eight this year, eight and one in finals. And she has the 6,300 point lead over the second place on Jabor. So she is super dominant. So it's crazy to see that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Coco Goff, since you brought her up, Iga mm. uh, is 4-0 against her. And Coco has not won a set off of Iga. So that's that's almost pigeon status. So hopefully that she changes a little. Her. Yes. So hopefully that changes soon. Yeah. So uh, sticking with uh, San Diego. Now, it rained over the weekend and Collins was playing Beckage. Mm. Now... Collins wanted to continue the match and Beckage decided not to. The The tournament director decided to call it. Now, across the uh, city, the San Diego Padres were beating the Dodgers mm-hmm. and they decided to continue play. Mm. So what are your thoughts on uh, the tennis not continuing the play while baseball did? You know, I I do think that Tennis playing in the rain and baseball playing in the rain is complete night and day difference, right? You've got a furry ball. It's a solo individual sport where you're running alone on that surface. A lot more dynamic movement and um, movement in general just on the court surfacing versus baseball for the most part, I think you can play in pretty rough weather successfully. So in this case, I... I don't think that baseball is a good point of reference for whether or not tennis players should continue. Yes, the court was dry enough. Yeah. But Beckage didn't want to continue. Mm-hmm. So that left a little bit of a, I don't know, a little gap there. Yeah. So obviously, Beckage ended up winning. Mm-hmm. And then about three hours later, she played Iga. Yeah. But in her defense, I guess, if Beckage would have continued playing that night, Collins would have beat her. Yeah. So she knew what she was doing for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And let me be the first to tell you, I'm never mad at a player if their goal is to break their opponent's momentum and they have reason to believe that postponing the match is going to help do that. So, yes. you know, I get it. I'm not mad at it. And uh, also sticking with a little bit of more Collins news, she has 100 of uh, WTA wins and she recorded that win when she beat Bedosa. Mm. So uh, she's coming for sure. Uh, She's had a great year and uh, she's coming. So we're going to talk about a little bit more uh, San Diego news. Now, there's been people complaining about the timing of the schedule. So it's similar to Madrid. Um, You had Beckett, you had a Sabalenka. She finished a match at about 11, 10 p.m. ish. Mm -hmm. And then she had to play the next day against Vekic. That's when Vekic beat uh, Sabalenka. Mm. uh, Vekic had the day off. Yeah. The day before. Mm. And Sabalenka played until 10 p.m. 
Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the timing of the tournament there? These are the reasons that you've got to manage your schedule well, and you have to. You you heard this at the U.S. Open from Kyrgios. It was, I've mastered. You just got to go straight home, go straight to your room, and go to bed. Go to sleep, get your rest, focus on resting, focus on recovery. We heard the same thing from Tiafo at the U.S. Open. I've got to just get back home, relax, rest, and get ready for my next match. My main focus is recovery. And those are guys who are playing in two-week events. So what do you think you're going to have to do mindset-wise at a one-week event? If you're at a one-week event and you think you're going to win it, at some point in time in that schedule, you are going to do a doubleheader type of situation. I don't know if it'll be early in the event or later in the event, but you're going to have days where you play back-to-back and potentially a night session followed by a day session. So I don't feel bad. If you're in a, an event that is a 500 or lower, you should anticipate anticipate playing long matches consecutive days in a row until the event's over. Yes, I agree. So um, going on to Medvedev news here, he just had a baby. So congratulations mm. to Medvedev. Um, the running joke right now is that there's a couple of obviously Nadal, Medvedev now. Uh, they're a huh. What are they doing after the Australian Open? It is known as the Happy Slam. Oh, my God. So that's the running joke right now. So congratulations to Medvedev. I thought that was uh, pretty funny, for sure. Oh, my goodness. Who's uh, So who's up next? Djokovic, then, if he wins the next Australian? Oh, there you go. Yes. If, if he's even allowed into the country. Oh, jeez. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, yes. Yeah, so um, moving on to the next subject. Uh, we have th- this is actually an interesting stat that I wanted to bring up real quick. So there's only three players, sorry, two players that have beaten Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic five or more times. All three of them five or more times. Yes. Okay. Andy Murray and Dominic Team. Those are the only two guys that have beaten. Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic five or more times. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that list? I mean, this is why me and you both praised Dominic Team as the next guy. Because, I mean, what really was the selling point for me was the way he played Nadal on clay. And, I mean, he owned Federer, to be honest with you. You know, his game was such heavy spin and such big tennis. Uh... Federer just didn't really have answers for it at that time and point in his career. So for me, Dominic Team is still that guy once he fine tunes and finds his way back. But here's the main difference, though. I do not anticipate him having the level of career Andy Murray did. Andy Murray did have 45 titles total or something like that. And a lot of people forget that. Yes. You know, Andy Murray's career is Hall of Fame incredible top 10 in history possibly worthy? You know, we talk about how many slams could Burdich have gotten? How many would Ferrer have gotten? You know, all these other things. But we're talking Andy Murray having probably 10 grand slams easily if it weren't for the big three sharing his era. Oh, for sure. You know, so um, I can't say that those two necessarily belong in the exact same conversation. But look at Dominic Team and respect him the way you respect Del Potro. Respect him the way you probably don't respect Chillage. But, yes. you know, he's of that cloth minimum for yes, sure for me. Easily. 
And I also do believe that he is a greater overall potential and higher ceiling than Medvedev, Paz, Varev. I like him more than them overall. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. For sure. So, again, I know this is uh, tennis, but there are tennis names getting pickleball stuff. Mm. So, we know that Tom Brady and Kim Kleisters joined forces to purchase a team for yeah. the pickleball league. Also, James Blake owns a team as well wow what are your thoughts on tennis players now starting to get into the sport of pickleball owning wise well look here's here's the number one shortcut pickleball could ever ask for and that's to be embraced by tennis culture if tennis culture truly learns to embrace pickleball Pickleball is going to expedite its journey to success so much faster than trying to develop its own journey and build its own fan base up from scratch. Um, We've seen what simply just the WTA and ATP working together has done for the game of tennis in general. You know, it's made it so that when, you know, Federer is not playing, Serena fills up seats. When Serena is not playing, Nadal fills up seats, you know, stuff like that. It's going to make people buy tickets to show up if they already recognize tennis players in the tournament. If you found out that John McEnroe was playing pickleball in a tournament, you're spending 50 bucks. Oh, yes. You're going, you know. Now, if it's just Ben Johns there only, which half of our listeners may not even know who that is, they're not spending $50 to go watch that guy play pickleball, you know. So... I think that me and you've had this conversation off air, but you know, there, what makes a sport especially popular and successful is do people who don't play it enjoy watching it and pickleball, no one watches pickleball that doesn't play pickleball and people who play pickleball, most of them don't watch it either. So tennis will be able to bridge that gap and bring in spectators who maybe aren't so interested in going out and playing the game as well. So that's, um, that's big. Kim Clijsters is a, a popular athlete that's loved. Yes. Um, James Blake is as well. Yes. So, you know, if they can continue on this route and maybe get like an Andy Roddick, you know, and just build their way up the rankings of celebrity, they're going to do well. Yes. Uh, right now, uh, obviously, tennis is still, money-wise, is the sport. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you won't see the, the uh, juniors stop playing tennis anytime soon. Yeah. Where pickleball is getting their advantage is the tennis players that are not making it. Yeah. Your Stanford number one doubles player mm-hmm. or singles player who yeah. who can't really make it yeah. in tennis, but they're going to pickleball. Mm-hmm. Or the other spectrum is the retired tennis player, your Sam Absolutely. your Sam Queries. So that's the benefit that pickleball has right now. And if they keep that formula, it probably could grow. Absolutely. Having ex-pros and potential pros both joining pickleball is going to elevate the sport to a level that will allow people to also, that are athletes and aspire to be, see what the highest level can be at a much sooner rate. So, Right. Moving on to some Rafa news. Now, he mentioned that he is going to take a tour of exhibitions in Mexico into South America. Mm. He's going to go with Casper Rudd. So last, I believe it was last year, no, two, three years ago. When Zverev was still was still part of Team Eight, he and uh, Federer did the same thing. They went mm-hmm. to Colombia, Argentina, Mexico. They sold out those stadiums. 
uh, 15,000 people watching them play. Yeah. Now, here's the kicker. Since Nadal is going to be in South America, Gabriela Sabatini, who was a popular tennis player in the 90s, mm. said, would you be interested in playing mixed doubles? Mm. And then Nadal said, absolutely, let's do it. Mm. So Gabriela Sabatini threw her hat out and Casper Rudd, so they're going to have an exhibition and Casper Rudd's opponent is still not named. Mm. So what are your thoughts on this exhibition with Rudd and Nadal and what do you think of a Sabatini-Nadal partnership? Um, I'm, I like the Sabatini partnership a lot. The Casper... Uh, I don't think that he's captivating... I don't think he's truly entertaining. I just think he's a hardworking, respectable athlete. So for me, if I'm Nadal, that's definitely not my pick to bring on my exhibition. If I'm trying to sell 15,000 tickets per stop, Casper Ruud's not selling one extra more than I am. You know, he's... Every ticket sold is an Nadal ticket. You oh, know, for sure. That's just the bottom line. You know, um, not only is Nadal got the Spanish Spaniard legacy... The beautiful clay court game. Um, he's going to flourish in South America. I just don't think anyone in South America cares who Casper Root is. You know, yes. that's just my opinion. And I wish he would have chosen more of a legacy tour. Maybe brought on like a Verdasco or Feliciano. You know, something more along those lines would have been more exciting to me. Unless they're trying to really have aggressive, tough matches against each other, which most exhibitions don't no, do. No, they don't. No. You know, so. I just don't think Casper is in my top five picks for Nadal in this tour. Yes, uh, I, I I do know Casper really idolizes Nadal. Nadal yeah. respects him. So that's probably one of oh, the main you know reasons. Casper played in the academy, didn't he? Yes. The, the yes. Rafa's academy. Yes. That, so that makes more sense, yes. I guess. So that makes sense. But you're right. As far as the uh, popularity, who to put who to put to uh, sell tickets, Yeah, that's probably not the name. But yes, it makes sense. Yeah. So... On to a little bit of Nishikori news. Now, this is the first time ever that he will not be ranked. Uh, in September, he was 700 in the world. And now, he has dropped his last point. So, he is no longer ranked. He's had a ton of injuries. But speculation still says that he is going to play. Do you think that he should? Honestly? If he does play, he's going to have to go in with no expectations. I mean, what age is Nishikori? Do we know his age right now? Because I, I feel like he's in that Grigor Dimitro, Dimitrov. Yes, uh, yes, he's around the 30s, 30s. Yeah. You know, it might be one of those call it quits. He's 32. 32, yes. Yeah, it may be around that time to start calling it quits now for him. I just, I feel like he's... He's beyond peaked. He was an incredible, incredible athlete. I think that the few times he was truly healthy and playing well, he had incredible results. But his time has come and gone, in my opinion. I don't know what his current injury is and why he's not on the tour now. But it just seems like he spends more time off tour than on tour. And that's pretty concerning. Yes. Now, moving on to uh, the Italian Tennis Federation. Now, this is an interesting story. Mm -hmm. So, Andrea Seppi, uh, he's an Italian player, solid player. Mm -hmm. He was a 
career high of 19 in the world. Mm. He is going to retire at the end of this year. Mm. And Florence uh, just got a tournament and Naples because China, they dropped a couple of their tournaments. Mm -hmm. So they're having tournaments in Italy. So uh, Seppi, he's not ranked high enough to get in the tournament, Mm. but he asked the Italian Federation if he can so he can do his retirement uh, tour. Mm. They said it'd be a waste of time. And turned him down. Holy so smokes. he is going to end his career most likely in challenger events in Italy. Oh, wow. So there's been a couple of uh, tennis players coming to his aid, including Italian tennis players that said, that's pathetic. It doesn't make any sense for them to do this. And if I was an Italian player, and this is from other people from other countries. I wouldn't yeah. want to be part of that federation. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Italian federation to not give Seppi a wild card? I don't really understand why they wouldn't do that. That's insulting. That's disappointing. Um, who are their eyes on that's an Italian that they think is so good they shouldn't pay attention to Seppi? Who are the top Italians on the tour? Uh, uh, Sinner, uh, Berrettini, Fognini. Oh, you're right. There are quite a few. Huh? But that's Musetti. Musetti, he's he's up there. Is he Italian? Yes. Yeah. And then there's Senego. And Senego. Oh, they are they are pretty stacked. But still, I mean, this guy's retiring. He should get a wild. He card. should at least get a wild card. Yeah, he should get a wild card and at least play a top Italian in the first round or something. Yes. Say his farewells. Um, yeah, this is this is in my opinion, for a guy who was waving that Italian flag when almost no one was at some point, this is disrespectful for sure. I will say in this I hate to say this during this conversation, but my brightest memory of Seppi is him getting obliterated by Stan Wawrinka at Indian Wells. It's the biggest slaughter I've ever seen in professional tennis. Live in person. Um he lost to Stan Wawrinka in about forty minutes flat. Six one six one. Well, there you go. Yeah, the rallies were like four balls long. Not was, appropriate at this time. I know. I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's um, that's my lasting memory about Seppi. And I mean, from a neutral, unbiased place, Seppi's not fun to watch. Seppi's Seppi. You know, so I get what they're trying to say, and it would make perfect sense if it was a Chinese tournament. An American tournament, a French tournament, an Italian tournament? That's inexcusable. You know, here in America, they do a good job of putting all the upcoming players as wild cards. And even in Asia, do you know how many Asians we've never heard of that got put as wild cards in those tournaments? Amazing. You oh, know, yes. They did a great job bringing up their uh, their journeymen, you know, into a main draw, get them a little paycheck, exposure to the highest level televised on a major platform i don't understand why italian tennis doesn't want to do that for theirs yes and is as you stated so forget all that other stuff that that you said that's all noise but the thing that you stated was he was the only one carrying the italian flag hard when nobody was out there yeah all these guys that we just named Mm -hmm. they came way later and this guy probably paved the way most likely Mm-hmm. And to that for them not to show them the respect is kind of sad, but yeah, you know. And now closing the episode, we have the nominees for the class of 2023 Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So we have That's exciting. So we have a 1980s player. Her name is Kara Black. 
Okay. We have a double specialist, Lisa Raymond. Okay. And now for the known names for the younger uh, listeners of the podcast, we have Flavia Panetta, who is married to Fognini. She won the U.S. Open when Benchy. She's married to Fognini? Yes. I did not know that. What the heck, bro? I didn't know that. I know who Panetta is, and I know who Fognini is. Respect I, tennis. I've never known they were married. That's <laughs> insane to me. Okay, well, I'm glad that I can be the wealth of a knowledge for oh, you. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Continue, please. <laughs> yes. So, so anyway, uh, Panetta won the U.S. Open. Mm. Uh, that was when uh, Roberta Vinci beat Serena mm-hmm. in the semifinals. Yeah. So, that was the year that that happened. Then we have Nadal's coach, Carlos Moya. Well the, deserved. And then you have the next two, which are pretty big names too. El Mosquito, Juan Carlos mm. Ferrero, Oof. coaching Alcaraz. And then we have Ana Ivanovich. What are your thoughts on the nominees for the class of 2023? I don't know about Ana Ivanovich. I'm a fan, but if I remember correctly, she's the one who just hit really flat, right? Yes. And she kind of pioneered sitting on the ground while you hit a ball for the most part. <laughs> Um, I'm a fan, but I don't know if that's a Hall of Fame athlete or not. I'd have to look up her statistics. Um, but that's awesome. Carlos Moya, well-deserved, amazing. And who was that last guy? You just Juan, Juan Carlos, Carlos. Oh, yeah, Ferrero. Juan Carlos Ferrero. Come on. Wasn't he number one in the world? Yes. Yeah, he's number one in the world. He was the era right before Fed's era. Yes. Like, he squeezed in there. And... You know, that era is very easily forgotten because it was the washed up Agassiz Sampras era. Yes. And the non-existing Federer era. It's that little gap of time when we kind of saw Juan Carlos Ferrero. Uh, was it Nalbandian? Nalbandian. Yeah. And uh, there's a few other names that, you Davidenko. know. Davidenko. Um, there's a That was a cool era. It was very interesting. It was it was a transition period before I really watched tennis live, but I did go back and watch most of those events from back then just because I used to hear Juan Carlos's name a lot. Yes. When I first started watching tennis channel, when it was still a new network for the most part, Juan Carlos Ferro had a lot of commercials. Oh yes. Um, so it was he pretty was funny. He was extremely marketable for sure. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And it's awesome that he's still a part of the tour in a legendary way and a part of a successful team, just like Carlos Moy is. You know, it says a lot about these guys. Exactly. I love that the Gorons of the world, the, the Moyas, the Juan Carlos Ferreros, these guys are still traveling the world with legendary athletes themselves. Yes. So I love that. Yes. So Ana Ivanovich had 15 career uh, titles okay. and one Grand Slam. That's good. That's solid. Okay. Yeah, she does deserve it then. Uh, Ferrero... Uh, you may want to look this up. Uh, I don't believe he has a Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. Maybe he does. I know for a fact he did lose to on Andy Roddick in the 2003 U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos Moya does have a Grand Slam, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. So those are the nominees. So I think that they're well-deserved. Uh, definitely Ferrero and Moya carried Spanish tennis for a long time. The Spanish Armada. And then when Nadal came in with Ferrer... Verdasco, Lopez, they carried it for sure. So that's well-deserved. I agree. Yeah. Juan Carlos Ferrero has one French Open. Okay. And that same year, he made it to the final of the U.S. Open. There you go. So that was his big year. And then Moya, I believe he has a Grand Slam as well. So And former number ones. So, uh, yeah, that's well-deserved. And, uh, yeah, so good for them. 
Yeah, man. I think that's pretty much everything, huh? Yes, unless you have anything else to add. Um, pers- not really this time around. Um, this is actually a really solid episode considering um I don't know what's coming up in the near future for tennis off the top of my head, but we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Yes. Oh, okay, real quick. He does have a French Open, uh Moya. Okay. Yes. I, I figured he did. He seems yes. like a French Open winner. Right. So, I hope you guys were entertained. ATP. I forget. One episode 120. Yeah, 120. All right. See you guys I don't later. I like that. <laughs>